Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast and the latest episode of Tech Talk Radio with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. In this episode, we're mashing up tech with sustainability. Net zero and the pathway to it is a topic high on everyone's agenda today. Increasing numbers of real estate businesses are outlining their commitments to achieving net zero, but reaching those commitments will require hard and intelligent work. Technology will play a key role in helping businesses adapt to challenges. Here, we talk to Faisal Butt, Chief Executive and Founder of PyLabs, Rob Charlton, Chief Executive of Twinview, and Sue Foxley, Research Director at Bidwells, to understand both how technology can support the ESG agenda and the steps that real estate needs to take to fully adopt the technology that will enable it to reach its net zero carbon ambitions. Enjoy. Net zero is potentially used or uttered more these days than the word unprecedented has been over the last 15 15 months. Uh, It is very high on everyone's agenda, um, particularly in the real estate uh, realm. We all know the the figures uh, associated with uh, real estate and its contribution to the climate challenge. Um, But there's no way that we can achieve net zero, or if we're really ambitious, ambitious, just carbon zero, no netting of it without using tech. So I'm really excited um, today for this uh, EG Property podcast to be talking about the role of role of tech in, in achieving net zero. And just, um, just to understand, I guess, how the the investment community is is looking to tech and what tech can do to help uh, the real estate community achieve its lofty ambitions, but um, to approach net zero. Um, joining me, I have three wonderful guests and I'm going to pass to each of them to just give us a little bit of an introduction to who they are. So you, our wonderful listeners, can get used to their voices as we as we have this chat about the, the role of tech in net zero. First, I'm going to um, pass to um, Rob. Rob, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, I'm Rob Charlton. I'm Chief Exec of uh, Twinview. I'm an architect by profession. And um, what I've been looking at through my career is addressing some of the challenges in the industry, in in the built environment. And as you say, um, net zero has come from being a very specialised sort of area to now becoming very mainstream. Um, we've developed Twinview, which is a digital twin platform really, to connect all of the information that buildings are producing so we can go some way to achieving net zero. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Sue, I'm going to pass to you next. And you're coming to this conversation from a, from a different angle. Um, I, I, I'm a research director at Bidwell. So I suppose where we're particularly focused is, is across the Oxford Cambridge arc and particularly looking in the science and tech market. So I suppose coming from two aspects. One is from the investor aspect and um, how they are looking at it and their aspirations, which are, I think are very real. They're not. It's a not, not a box ticking exercise. And I suppose the other side of it is also from um, the businesses that we're working with across the arc and and the sort of vast array of, of of technology and science that's coming that's actually contributing to to the agenda. So. Um, it, you know, it's sort of interesting to see it from both perspective and probably should add also the residential side and, and, you know, some really interesting observations, particularly in some of those markets about how important it is to households um, and, and their aspirations in terms of where they want to live and how they want to how they want to live. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Sue. And last but by no means least, um, Faisal. Hi, everyone. I'm Faisal. I'm the CEO at PyLabs. We're London-based and a pan-European venture capital investor in prop tech startups. Um, one of the central themes that we're investing in is technologies that can help buildings, developments, and construction be more sustainable. Uh, it's an area we're actively researching and investing into, so happy to share some learnings and insights with uh, our audience today. Fantastic. Well, let's, let's start with, I guess, a look at where, where we are in terms of um, the technologies available to investors, developers to help them, un I guess, understand the journey to net zero. And, and Rob, I imagine this is something that, that digital twinning is, is really vital in. Yeah, we've been sort of around the digital built environment now for 20, 30 years. So we've seen things progress and um, we've got other businesses in the group, um, such as BIM Technologies. So we've been very much around the BIM world. But the reality is that um, there hasn't been a lot of tech in the industry and it's been quite slow, but only because we've got a lot of that data now um, that people are starting to realise there is potential. But a lot of our buildings, um, they are producing a lot of data, but we're just not using it or we don't even know it's there. Certainly with um, building management systems and things like that, the, the information is down in the basement, but we're just not accessing it. And I think what's happened in recent years, and it has been incredibly quick, um, probably the last two or three years, prop tech has really started to um, uh, come right at the forefront of people's thinking. And a lot of that for me is driven by um, the ESG agenda that now um, once investors start to get interested and it, you know the whole zero carbon and all that sort of stuff has a, is in, important to people, it then drives innovation because end of the day, the end users want it. So the industry then drives innovation to address that. And is that something you're seeing, Faisal, um, that um, drive of innovation? Are you seeing more and more um, tech firms in investing in this area and trying to come up with solutions? We are. And we're certainly seeing like patterns in terms of capital flows that are more uh, chasing sustainability strategies. So um, it, it's happening with the ultimate um, LP capital that is looking for real estate managers that can demonstrate that they're investing in sustainable strategies. Um, it's also happening in, uh, in the LP capital that's flowing into some of the prop tech funds where they're looking for prop tech managers who have a, a strong understanding of sustainability and a way to measure it. I think one of the challenges that a lot of real estate investment managers are facing is um, how do you actually demonstrate that you're investing in uh, real estate that is sustainable? Uh, there's, there has to be a better way of reporting it than the current standards and accreditations. And this is an area that we're researching, we're, we're publishing our own research on in the next couple of weeks, and off the back of which we plan to invest in technologies um, on top of those that we've already invested in that can help bring more of this data transparency to the sector. And Sue, is that something that, that you're seeing at Bidwells from an investor developer from a client perspective that they're looking for, for that sort of data transparency? Yeah, I think there's, it, there's two aspects, I suppose, from an investor point of view. Um, that there is a real thirst for information and data to, to really 
from a reporting point of view. Um, and that is relatively sophisticated, but as standards rise and as more um, aspects are brought into this, it, it pr presents challenges. So there's certainly more of a need for standardization and the technology, I suppose, is, is caught up with the with the need for um, a lot of the data requirements that are there. I suppose the other side of it is that um, the, the the occupiers who are coming, investors are obviously looking to their occupiers and 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 who what they want out of their buildings, and that is really pushing the agenda very quickly there. So you know I think in many cases it's it's the occupiers who are pushing it, and 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 you know we've some of our investors are, are just really uh, and developers are, are sort of really exciting in terms of how they're actually wanting to approach these things, and it, you know it has to really come from that occupier base with young skilled um talent that they've got to attract and and really they want to see that the building they're working in um and uh you know is is a force for good really and how long do i mean this is a, a difficult question to ask, answer i suppose but I always rely on the journalist to ask a difficult or impossible to answer question but how how um how far along on the journey are are we to enabling all of all of this? And uh, Rob, I know you said we've seen great strides forward over the last couple of couple of years, but are we are we moving fast enough? Are we getting there um, in time to you know solve the crisis or at least do a little bit towards solving it? My yeah, my t when I said things are moving quick, I think hearts and minds are moving quick, and mm. and that the people wanted are moving quick. Um, I think there's a lot of um hype around the tech and actually a lot of it's not there and there's some really great sales people there are selling smoke and mirrors um and but, but i think the, the key thing is that the desire is there to make it happen um and if the end users you know want that information want to use that tech because they genuinely want to achieve zero carbon and i do think going back over the years there's been a lot of people have talked about you know, this is what we want to achieve. We want low energy and didn't really mean it. It just was, was sort of what people said. Actually, now I think building owners, managers um, uh, want it um, genuinely. I think, as you said, Sue, the other, the other thing is um, building users want it. So the millennials are the, you know, the most employed um, generation at the moment and, and they really believe in zero carbon and, and the um, the environment and they're pushing for it now that they, they want to be connected they want efficient buildings um so I think it's, yeah as you say it's coming from every area but i think that the, the tech has still got a way to go and then even when we do have the tech what we find is that you've still got a cultural change that can everyone use the tech um even if they can use it do they refer to it regular enough to get the value out of it so i, I think still think there's a long way to go um but it is certainly the wills there. I think that's probably the most important thing. Would you agree with that, Faisal? Um, I, I would uh, slightly disagree and say that I believe the tech is there and the stumbling blocks that are slowing down adoption are more operational in nature. So they're about procurement systems not being ready to, to buy this tech. Uh, the uh, companies themselves culturally not being ready to adopt uh, the tech and uh, the budget not being allocated to adopt this tech at scale. I think it's more of an operational problem. I think the technology's there, the technology's been there for a couple of years. And you know, we have companies in our portfolio that are solving the problems for landlords like Grosvenor and LNG and 
Crown Estate, but that's still not the entire market. There, there's so much uh, more to go in terms of tech adoption. Uh, so I, I think that uh, the technology there, it's, it's more of an adoption issue, which I think will uh, start to change. And I think that there's a lot more uh, openness to adoption now, and we're seeing it in the last 12 months, 12 to 18 months, but still a long way to go there. Is that a, sorry, Sue, were you going to jump in? No, okay. oh, um, is that a, is that adoption um, issue? Some I, I talk a lot when I'm talking about ESG and when I'm talking about tech. Uh, a conversation often turns around to there being a bit of a skill skills gap in in the world of sustainability. We just don't have enough people in the industry that really under understand it. And when I when I talk about tech, it's about you know it's being talked about at C-suite. But are there actually people who really understand how it how it all works, and is that filtering down through through the business? So is is that adoption an, an issue of of skill or education? You could argue it's a generational thing, possibly, because you often find this is you know um, C-suite people can be a bit older, shall we say? I don't want to generalise too much, but um, they, they generally you know they, so, so they're being pushed on the ESG agenda, and then there's people who are coming through in their careers who are more familiar, who, who live and breathe on their, their mobile phone. So I think there's probably an aspiration at the C-suite, but a bit of a, um, you see, skills is probably too, too strong a word, is that it's not where they're spending their time. So there's a bit of that as well, that sometimes the tech can be a bit scary for some of these people. Um, and they've got other things to deal with, necessarily in getting down and learning how to use a piece of software. So they have to default to people. Um, so yeah, I think all of these things added together um, you know, are all ongoing challenges that we have, but I think we are moving forward. And in, t- in terms of that investment in, in, in the tech to be able to, you know, once they know that, okay, this is what we need and they understand it, we've got to the adoption point. Is there, how is the, how is the market looking at investing in, in the tech to enable them to, on this journey to, to net, net zero? I wonder, um, Sue, if you can talk to that at all whether you're seeing a real engagement from from clients to to want to um put the money where their mouth is i suppose around the tech yeah i suppose i suppose from an occupier point of view i i think the point was was well made in that there is variability amongst businesses in terms of what they can afford and what their aspirations are and and aspirations um you know there is a cost with with those i think um there is a growing realization that actually there's also a cost of not investing and, and not um, taking it seriously. Um, so I, I think that there's that, that aspect of it. I think also it, it's it's become um, a lot more systemized in terms of how investors are looking at it and developers are looking at. It. So it's all, it's all, it's that much more commonplace and it it really makes life an awful lot easier in terms of planning buildings and what's going to be expected next. Um, I suppose the other side of it is is probably linked to sort of the point that Faisal made is is if you kind of see the companies that are coming out, you know, particularly in the artwork across the UK and globally, um, there's an awful lot of tech investment going in that direction as well, and really kind of trying to address these problems that are are, are evolving, and and there's an awful lot of technology that's coming forward that we're seeing that are, are very specifically addressing the problems that we're going to see, not just on, in terms of sustainability, but the, the wider agenda um, as well. Um, because, you know, actually, arguably, the the S and the G bit, um, you know, the, the, you've, you've 
that's just part of the story, isn't it, really? I want I want to come back to the the sort of the measurement issue because I think this is where where tech has a real tech and data have a have a huge role to play. But I wonder, um, Faisal, maybe you can talk to this about just the amount of different measurements, different tools there are out there, and whether that is something that the market needs to look at consolidating so that we can make the um make bigger steps in in the right direction yeah i think the challenges we have with the traditional um, measures and accreditations um, are that they take a look at what the building's performance is at a snapshot in time so um, whereas where things need to go is real-time operational reporting of a building that's digital and uh, has an analytics layer on top of it. And I think that as investors, uh, more and more of the capital that's looking to deploy into real estate is looking for more sophisticated uh, reporting. And that currently isn't available. And the way for the operators and developers who are raising this capital will continue raising that capital and keep their investors happy is by investing in these technologies that can provide a ongoing digital analytical KPIs that are coming out of their, um, their their portfolio on a more sophisticated level, on a building by building level and a portfolio level. Uh, and just saying that we have a building that's uh, carbon neutral and it's got so-and-so certification is not going to be good enough. And I think that different investment managers and developers will try to differentiate themselves by going deeper down that uh, technology and digitalization curve in order to stay current in, and also in order to uh, attract the capital that's out there looking for greener strategies. And, and people as well, actually, attract the people that to, to work with. And does, does the digital twin have a, a role in, in that, Rob? Very much so. That's the that's where the digital twin and certainly where Twinview came from is that we were finding um, we did a lot of work with our clients on building information models. So we had the models, but as, as Faisal says, it, it was static. At the, you know, at the end of handover, that was the end of that model, and it was sitting there. And and as soon as you know the the building becomes operational, that information is out of date. So to make it a digital twin, it has to become alive and it has to be a a real representation of the physical. Um, because as being mentioned, buildings have so actually little live data that's being used. Um, and, and then the other side of it is I mean, we, we've been looking at um, how we can use our algorithms and things for, for optimization. But one of the biggest challenges our data scientists has had is that there's not much data out there. Um, <clears throat> the, the best data we've got is probably um, uh, the energy bill that comes in you know, once a month. Uh, that's probably the, the best metric that, that we've got. So it's really hunting down that data. And I think now we are starting to see it, which is then generating more innovation and it's bringing people uh, like the data scientists into the industry. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're definitely seeing a change. There's no doubt about it. I think that's you know, that we've gone from static information to, to real time. What does the future look like for that? For that? You know, are you expecting that um, we can we can really turn the the entire industry over to a sort of a digital view of, of buildings. And I think, Faisal, you're, you're, you know, you're absolutely right that um, I've been having chats about sort of the future of valuations. And, and I think, you know, the role of um, a, 
a real time view of a building and how it is living and, and breathing is going to be so important for the whole of the whole of the industry to get a, a proper view of it and valuations being one of those they're very much a point in time but you know you could value a building on one day and one of the tenants goes bust the the next day and that valuation is immediately null and void but it's you know it's been done in the traditional way so it, it's it's there is there you know is there a, a future where um, the role of tech and data in not just um, you know, helping us achieve net zero, but helping us transform the industry as a whole is just going to be so, so vital. And, and you know, we are going to get there because I, I think, and I'm going on, uh, I think that there is still so much of the industry that is um, owned by individual players that maybe don't have the capital to to invest in in tech that enables them to have a real-time view of their building or just don't care you know how are we gonna how are we gonna get to to that point and how do we encourage those people those owners to to invest in in tech and data that was a very long-winded question i apologize well i mean you refer to uh, individual ownership and the, the obvious uh, sub-asset class that comes to mind is residential and what we, I'm reading this book called What We Need to Do Now. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's by Chris Goodall and it's specifically around what the UK needs to do to get uh, to achieve carbon neutrality um, by 2050 and one of the big challenges and I, you guys know about this is what do you do to all the you know traditional period uh, Victorian housing stock you know that that, that contributes a significant that, that carbon emissions and uh, you'd have to go on to, you'd have to provide major incentives for people to retrofit at scale and put in, um, uh, you know, put in uh, the relevant uh, insulation at scale. And that, that's a very difficult challenge to overcome. So that, that's why most of us talk about the new buildings within commercial real estate. But we, even within commercial, you've got the retrofit issue. Um, and we are starting to see some interesting tech around retrofits like you know, data that can look at a building and say, okay, um, if capital was allocated on these three projects, um, you could then achieve this level of carbon reduction within that real estate, right? And that allows you to make a capital planning decision. So certainly tech is going to play a role, but yes, the challenge is what do you do with the fragmented side of the industry that produces so much of the emissions? You know, it's, it's certainly an issue given the fact that actually the majority of the property market, certainly by number, is is in private investor hands and um, uh, private property companies. That um, and a lot of that is um, challenged in many ways um, physically. Um, so, so that is a real issue. I have to say that um, it was an interesting conversation with with someone from our heritage team, and you know there are advances in this. The technologies advancing not just in the sort of IT side of the tech but also the technology in terms of the materials and, and that aspect of it so the improvements can happen in that way as well which then enable um, change to happen so sort of away from the, the, the tech side of it so there are things that are happening but it you know it, it is a very real issue because that is a large chunk of our property market which at the moment is particularly challenged anyway if we if we think about high streets and everything else so um, it does something it's it's not an easy one to deal with it is very easy to get sucked in by how 
exciting new buildings are and, and all the tech and things like that. But as uh, has been said, the, the issue lies in the existing stock. But we can make small improvements. Um, and also we should be reporting, we should be um, encouraging refurbishment because from an embedded carbon point of view, using existing building is the best way to do it. If you're trying to you know, reduce embedded carbon in a building, just use what's already there. Um, so you, you, one thing you say, I'm going to build a new shiny building because I can connect up all the IoT sensors, but you've just used a whole load of carbon to build the building in the first place. So if you just refurbish the old one. Um, but I think there is small steps. But it's interesting, just I was thinking there, that's something that uh, you were saying there, Faisal, about the um, insulating all the, the, the school, the, the houses and things like that. But didn't the government put a whole load of money aside to do that and nobody wanted it it's really you know it's the the it again it's not just about the money it's about did everybody want to insulate the houses and the government was going to pay for it and they actually ended up taking all the money back because there's only about three people insulated that sort of thing so so the title of this podcast is you know about um how can technology support es esg and we're talking i mean we're mainly talking about the e the e of those three letters and i just um Coming off your point there, Rob, I wonder if it should be about how more actually how can we get individuals, businesses to support the technology that can support, um, our, you know, ESG or, or, or our route to net zero um, more specific specifically, because if there, you know, if there has been a pot put aside and nobody used it, how do we get how do we change that conversation so that people one, understand the technology that is there to, to to support, and two, you know, are willing and able to to support that technology to do a job that will ultimately help all of us. I think it's like all tech. It, you know, it's, you can, tech's really clever and it's exciting, but it's got to improve outcomes. So it's not tech for tech's sake. And until tech starts improving things, rather than just saying, "Isn't this a really clever bit of stuff?" and it does something really clever it's got to make a difference. And that's, you know, a lot of people, certainly when we speak to um, chief execs about the things we're doing, they don't really care about the tech, they care about the outcomes. What, what's the impact of their shareholders? Not, isn't this really clever? If you, if you could give them the answers without the tech, I don't think they would care. Hmm. Um, and what the tech has to do is give information to allow them to make better decisions to optimise the buildings, to reduce costs, reduce carbon, which then keeps their um, shareholders happy. That, that's the ultimate thing. So you could even argue it's not really, you know, it's not the tech's not important, but the, the tech's what's going to help them make those decisions. I, I'd also just add that, um, you know, we're talking about built buildings, um, but, you know, we also need to look at the carbon emissions during the development and construction process. And there's a lot of waste the way the current, you know, traditional construction occurs. Construction is one of the most analog industries in the world after agriculture. But we're seeing some really exciting technologies emerge, which can kind of uh, use very sophisticated you know, sensors to track exactly where things are going and in real time be able to detect defects as they occur, which then reduces wastage and which reduces the carbon footprint, which reduces carbon emissions, et cetera. So there's a lot of work still to be done on the building sites themselves. Um, so you need to kind of look at the entire supply chain built stock, the new buildings, the ones that are being developed and constructed as well. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think the other side of that is also the, um, 
the skills to implement um, new technologies and new materials as well. I, I, as I understand it from a lot, uh, some of the issues with the grant scheme was that there weren't the skilled people there to um, to implement a lot of the the, uh, the facilities that were, were there. And so there's an awful lot of ground up um, training that is needed at a sort of fairly basic level in terms of some of the new technology that is coming through from the top level. You know, and, and I think the point is that most households will probably say when they've introduced um, automated heating systems and the rest, it, it makes their life easier and better. And it's it's just sort of magnifying that up a bit so that it's actually easy to do. And, you know, everyone, whether it's a business or a household, can actually access someone who knows how to, to run their systems. And it, it's not a stress. I always like to um, round off um, a conversation um, one, with one of these podcasts with a with a bit of a um bit of a dream I suppose everyone's individual dreams and ambitions for for whatever topic we're we're talking about so I'd love to hear from each of you your where you'd like to see us get in terms of the way that technology can support our journey to net net zero the the one thing that you would like to see real estate do to enable that too um, Faisal, I'm going to start uh, meanly with you. I'd like to see real-time digital standardized reporting of ESG performance. Currently, the people, the way real estate groups globally are reporting ESG performance differs. Every, everyone's got their own way of reporting it internally and up to their investors. And I don't think we can collectively start to make a material difference at scale without a standard real-time digital reporting um, uh, system. So that, that's, you know, we're playing our part by investing in these technologies, but um, ultimately the real estate industry will need to play their part in adopting them at scale. So, so I suppose if we, um, if I think about some of the amazing developments that are going on at um, Cambridge Science Park or Harwell or wherever it is, they are almost like the NASA of, of um, new developments where where we can try out new ideas and we can you know really uh, showcase what's possible. And it comes back to this point of then there's the rest of the market. And I suppose what I would like to see is is routes um and and sort of a, a gradual route to find how that infiltrates the rest of the market and i think it's probably going to be baby steps and it's going to be small things it's going to be materials it's going to be technology and it's going to be education and it's going to be skills um i don't think there's one big thing but it's the rest of the market that worries me i think you know the big amazing buildings will be an amazing showcase for that it's just translating it uh, rob but last but by no means least I was going to talk about my uh, villa in Italy on top of a hill, but then you said it had to be something to do with uh, um, <laughs> the, the property centre. So, OK, that's a different dream. Um, but uh, no, I think for me, it's it's quite simple. Um, zero carbon in buildings and operation would be my dream and, and also zero carbon in um, uh, in construction and in, in embedded carbon. And it, it is I think it is possible. I think, you know, it, it, we've started the journey. And if you think, if someone said, I don't know, 20 years ago, we, we wouldn't have any diesel or petrol cars by 2030, everyone would have said that's madness, that's never going to happen. 
Um, and you look now when the, the, the pace of electric cars coming through. So actually it is probably achievable. Um, and I think it's as I say, the, the, the most important thing is the hearts and minds to want to make it happen. And I think we've got emerging generations that can't believe we do things as we do them now. So I, I, I do, you know, I think it's not only a dream, I think it is a genuine reality. I like that. That is even more positive than a dream, a general reality. And I think there's some really great things for people to take away there. And I think, you know, this point around it's all going to be about adoption. If we want to make a make a change, Faisal Pilad has got to keep investing, but people have got to um, adopt those technologies that you're that you're supporting to to grow. And we've got to find a way that everyone can get in involved in that that it's not just for the for the big shiny developers it's for for every everyone to to be able to do their their bit and if we are already seeing great progress um then that is something to be to be celebrated and and let's just keep moving moving forward in the in the right direction on the pathway as they say to 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 net zero and um, but thank you so much for joining us for this conversation there is so much to go into around both both the ESG topic and the tech topic so keeping it to a a short podcast is always a challenge but i think we got there so thank you for joining us Faisal, Rob and Sue on the EG Property Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.